1: This is Al-Fadi, and I want to welcome you back to another uh, amazing show with our dear brother, Dr. Uh, David Wood. We've been talking about uh, various topics, and uh, today uh, we are going to discuss a topic related to the Quran yet again. And, of course, you can say it falls under the umbrella of this myth about perfect preservation of the Quran. Now, uh, by now, hopefully many of you ...are becoming more and more familiar with the standard Islamic narrative concerning the Quran, its preservation, its compilation, its transmission, and so on and so forth. But even if you follow the standard Islamic narrative, there are some holes, and I'm not borrowing Yasir Qadis, by the way, word. There are indeed holes, and uh, something like, for instance... Um, it will say something like when Uthman collected the Quran, they discovered that there was one verse missing from chapter 9 and somehow the verse appeared now. So for at least 20 years since the day of Abu Bakr until the day Uthman decided to collect the Quran for the second time, the Quran allegedly was incomplete. There are verses that say some verses were missing. And there are verses that say, uh, there are hadith, I should say, that would say something to the extent, and I meant there are hadith that would say that some verses are missing. There are hadith that will say, according to Aisha, that at least some verses were eaten by a goat because people were busy during the death of the prophet, and somehow a goat ate one of those pages. And the list goes on and on and on. But I don't know how many of you heard that there is almost an entire chapter that is missing from the Qur'an. With me here to discuss this background and also unpack it, uh, our dear brother, Dr. David Wood. Dr. David Wood, um, you know, uh, David, you do a lot of uh, videos, a lot of clips, a lot of research. And I know you and I are familiar with these kind of topics. But have you ever uh, talked really about the missing chapter of the Quran before? And
2: what was the reaction when you brought it up? Well, you'd have to specify because uh, according to Abu Musa in Sahih Muslim 2286, he refers to two entire chapters of the Quran which were lost, and he remembered a sing- he remembered one verse out of them. Uh, but y- you have that in the Muslim sources. So you'll have Abu Musa talking about missing chapters. Um, you'll have you know Aisha talking about verses being eaten by a sheep. But then yes, you'll have specifically with Surah thirty three, which is what we're we're going to look at here in Surah thirty Surah thirty three. Um, in the Quran today, has 73 verses. And Muslims think that that's the entire chapter. Uh, but matter of fact, this is actually connected. This is connected to Aisha's claim in uh, Sunan ibn Majah, 1944, where she says that the verse of stoning and of breastfeeding adults uh, was, uh, she had the only copy and a sheep came in and ate it. And that's why it's no longer in the Quran. Interestingly, those verses were supposedly part of Surah 33. So we want to be clear, that sheep did not just eat two verses. You didn't have two verses of the Quran somehow uh, laying around. The sheep actually ate the only copy of most of Surah 33, and Muslims have never been able to recover the rest of Surah 33. And so what you have is Aisha and Ubay ibn Ka'b, so Muhammad's wife Aisha, and Ubay ibn Ka'b. Ubay ibn Kaab is one of the four people that Muhammad said, if you want to learn the Quran from anyone, learn it from them. So this is one of the top reciters of the Quran. Umar said that Ubay was the best reciter of the Quran. And even Ubay says that most of Surah 33 was lost. This is not according to you, Al Fadi, this is not according to me. This is according to Aisha and Ubay ibn Kab in uh, Abu Ubaid's Kitab Fada'l al-Quran, where he actually talks about some of the problems with the preservation of the Quran. So this is is a Muslim source. So let's go ahead and pull that up, and we'll read two paragraphs about missing verses from Surah 33. So we'll read the, the top paragraph there. Ibn Abi Maryam related to us from Ibn Luhai, from Abu al Aswad, from Urwa ibn al Zubair, from Aisha. So this all goes back to Aisha and Urwa uh, 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 ibn al Zubair. So that's, um, that's uh, Aisha's nephew, who said, Surah al Azab, Surah 33, used to be recited in the time of the Prophet with 200 verses. So that would make it one of the longest chapters of the Quran. Used to be recited in the time of the Prophet with 200 verses. But when Uthman wrote out the codices, he was unable to procure more of it than there is in it today. So when it came time to write these things out, they couldn't find most of Surah 33. So that's the first paragraph there. And that's according to Aisha. And then we have, according to Ubay ibn Ka'b. Uh, the next paragraph Ismail ibn Ibrahim and uh, Ismail ibn Jafar related to us from Al bubarak bin Fadala, uh, Fadala, from Asim bin uh, Abiyan Nujud, from Zur ibn Hubaysh, who said, Ubay ibn Kaab said to me, O Zur, how many verses did you count, or how many verses did you read in Surat al Azab? 72 or 73, so so guy's not even sure how many verses are in there. 72 or 73, I answered, said he, yet it used to be equal to Surat al-Baqarah. That's Surah 2 of the Quran, that's almost 300 verses. Surat al-Baqarah is almost 300 verses, and we used to read in it the verse of stoning. So that was Surah 33, but that's the, the verse of stoning is what Aisha said was eaten by a sheep. Said I, and what is the verse of stoning? He said, If a grown man and a grown and a woman commit adultery, stone them without hesitation, as a warning from Allah. For Allah is mighty wise. So notice, you have two authorities here: Aisha and Ubay ibn Kab, saying, agreeing that most of Surah thirty-three has been lost, and that when Uthman tried to put it all back together, he couldn't find. Most of it. Why? Because the only copy had been eaten by a sheep, right? So what do we have here? Um, We have the myth, we have Muslims saying that the Quran has been perfectly preserved from the time of Muhammad right down to the letter, and yet when we actually go to their sources, we find things like this. We find missing chapters large passages with hundreds of verses missing, verses eaten by a sheep and so on. It looks like it was an absolute disaster trying to put the Quran together. And yet, still today, there are Muslims who believe that the Quran has been perfectly and miraculously preserved right down to the letter. Fortunately, that uh, that myth, that deception is uh, is unraveling. But notice, so you have Aisha, and she says, she doesn't know exactly how much. She's just saying it used, it used, I don't know, 200 verses? So she's saying that this used to be a really, really big chapter. Uh, but when it comes to expertise in the Quran, Ubay is definitely a higher authority than even Aisha. Uh, he's one of the, again, the f- one of the four people Muhammad said, if you want to learn it from anyone, learn it from Ubay. And Ubai said that it was almost 300 verses long. What do we have today? What's remaining? 73 verses. Why? According to Muslim sources, Aisha had the only copy, and it was eaten by her sheep. And uh, that's what we find when we go to the Muslim sources. And yet, what do they say? Perfect preservation right down to the letter, or at the very least, very, very well preserved. And, you know, some, some variants, but they're all revealed by Muhammad. And it's just like, guys, can you, can you please be honest about the preservation of your book for once?
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, David, what, what baffles me is that these are Islamic sources that you're using. You're not coming up with the claim. You're not saying Bart Ehrman said this or Dr. So-and-so this that, said that or, you know, this apologist who is a Christian came up with this claim. These are Islamic sources. You're even showing it to them on the screen. They can go and investigate the source if they like they can These days you can just take the wording, put it on Google, and God bless Google, they will tell you where exactly you can find it. How many people recited this for you, or cited, I should say. So why do you think, David, these Islamic Daoists, the propagandists, I call them,
2: somehow they're in denial? Yeah, it's a... Uh... It, it's a sad situation, but if you don't actually have any evidence for your religion, if someone comes up and like the, the, the arguments they give you for their religion are just lies, that should tell you that they don't actually have any good arguments or good evidence, because if they had good arguments and good evidence, they would use that. Instead, every single time a dai gives you an argument, there, there's some sort of deception involved. They're making things up. And uh, so what they what they really wanted was a way to try to make the Quran somehow superior to the Bible. And so they would say, ah, there are textual variants in the history of the Bible. But that's never happened in Islam. That's why the Quran is a miracle. Allah was miraculously preserving it the entire throughout its entire history. And uh, that worked for a while because for a while, people didn't have access to these sources. People, didn't, people couldn't pull these sources up. Now we're in the, we're in the age of the internet. Now we, have, uh, we can buy these books on, on Amazon. Now we have open access to their sources and we can show Muslims that their leaders, their scholars, their imams, their dais have been lying to them for a long, long time.
1: And it's indeed a very, very sad reality because you have a lot of uh, well-meaning Muslims that trust in these sources, meaning the Islamic propagandists, the Taoists. They think like they are learned people. They have access to the primary sources in Arabic, (laughs) yet half in time, uh, they themselves don't even read Arabic or don't even know how to speak Arabic appropriately or even Google things. And somehow the masses of the Muslim world believes in them. And I hope that this time, Uh, courtesy of social media, they'll be able to watch shows like this, go to the sources that we're providing it. We gave it to you in English. Somebody took the time to translate it, actually, from the Arabic to English, so it makes it even much easier for more Muslims because the majority of Muslims in the world don't speak Arabic anyway. And we hope that you would find the truth and come to our Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Wood, thank you so much. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is Al-Fadi. God bless. Take care. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message.
2: You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to cirainternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Al-Fadi, and I want to welcome you back to a continuation of this amazing video topic, a variety of video topics that I'm doing with our dear brother, Dr. David Wood. And the theme we've covered last time probably is the same theme we're going to cover this time. Last time, we talked about a theme related to the perfect preservation of the Quran or the myth about the perfect preservation, yet we showed that almost 200 verses are gone, missing from one chapter, chapter 33, Surah Al-Ahzab. Today, there is another factor that will make every Muslim basically shake their head and scratch their head because we're talking about the revealer of the Quran. Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, the model for Muslims and mankind. Believe it or not, Muhammad forgot parts of the Quran. There you have it. If your own leader couldn't remember parts of the Quran, then why do you blame Yasser Kadi for saying there are holes in the narrative? Because the Quran has holes in it, right here, based on your own leader. Dr. Wood, what say you about this, brother?
2: Well, it's, uh, it's just an interesting uh, situation that the Muslim world is in. They've been told one thing by their scholars and their dais and their imams and even their parents and friends and so on. They're told perfect preservation right down to the letter. That's if they are completely in the dark. Uh, if they're a bit more educated and they, ha- or if they have a more honest imam or something like that then they will find out about different versions of the quran's uh different versions of the quran in different parts of the world with textual variants and so on so they might learn about the the hafs version or the wars or the Warsh version and so on so they might learn about some of the textual variants there but uh it's very common for them to think that these variants all somehow go back to muhammad and so they still might be thinking in terms of like perfect preservation so on when, if you actually go to the Muslim sources, I'm talking about even like the Quran and the Hadith, their, their most respected Hadith collections, you see all kinds of problems. You start seeing like entire chapters came up missing because Muslims forgot them. Uh, large passages came up missing again. Hundreds of verses lost just from Surah 33 alone because Aisha had the only copy, and her uh, a sheep came in and. And ate it. And so these are the things you, you find. And, and you look at this and say, this looks like a, a disaster. And the disaster goes back to the idea that they were trying to preserve this by human memory alone, except for little parts that they would, uh, early on, it would say they wrote things on like leaves and so on, but these weren't meant to make a book. You're not making a book by writing things on rocks and leaves and so on. These were simply aids to memory. In other words, Muhammad reveals a couple of verses, and then, you know, you might scribble it down on a rock, not to make a book. You're just, this is going to help you go back to your home. And then that will help you memorize it. If you can read that, you can actually see it over and over again, as you work on memorizing it. Uh, but uh, you, you know, there, there's a, there's a Chinese proverb that goes, uh, that goes, the weakest ink will outlast the strongest memory. And that's just the idea that that human memory is flawed and eventually human beings die. Whereas if you at least have it written down, that's going to outlast uh, a human memory. Whereas the entire strategy in in early Islam was preserve everything uh, through human memory. Uh, What's interesting is that, your your average Muslim, when you explain, hey, they were trying to preserve things by memory, and this did not end well. They eventually, you know, lost parts of the Quran, and that's that's what forced them to eventually write down the Quran. Was they were losing parts of it, and they didn't want to lose any more, so they said, "Man, we really need a physical copy here." Uh, but uh, your average Muslim will think that when they were preserving this through memory alone, that uh, that Muhammad had some sort of miraculous memory that he wasn't going to forget anything and that uh the muslim community as a whole was was had such strong memories that they could collectively preserve uh what's in the quran And uh, we know for a fact that Muhammad would forget things and that the Quran grants this and the explanation when Muhammad would forget things or even when the entire Muslim community would forget verses, they would just say that Allah made them forget it because Allah didn't want them to have those verses anymore, which is very interesting because this is supposedly the eternal speech of Allah. He reveals it. And then he makes everyone forget it after he's revealed it. These are very like, it's very silly if you think about it. And yet it's what, uh, what even very educated Muslims believe. But we're going to look at a quick problem. We're going to look at uh, two verses of the Quran and we're going to look at two Hadiths. And we're going to see how they got some serious problems here with, with just their, their theory of how human memory was working back then. So let's go ahead and look at the Quran. This is Surah 87. Of the Quran. We're going to look at verses six and seven there, right in the middle. So this is Allah speaking to Muhammad. He says, We shall make you, talking to Muhammad, we shall make you to recite the Quran, so you, Muhammad, shall not forget it. Well, that's good. That sounds like Allah is guaranteeing to protect Muhammad's memory. But so, so you, Muhammad, shall not forget it. And then, but, uh, oops, look at the next verse except what Allah may will. (laughs) <laughs> so you're not going to forget what Allah reveals, except what Allah wants you to forget. He knows what is apparent and what is hidden. So Allah is going to protect Muhammad's memory to memorize the to remember the Quran, but Allah may change His mind and make Muhammad not remember something. Now watch how this actually plays out when we check out these two hadiths. So look at this, and we have two here. Uh, there are a bunch of hadiths on this topic. Uh, we, we're, we're looking at this. Um, at this page, just because these are these are one after another, but there are many more. But let's look at the, the last one first, because that, that ties in more with the Quran. That's more connected with uh, with the Quran verses we just read. So this is Sahih al-Bakari, 5039, narrated Abdullah. The prophet said, why does any one of the people say, I have forgotten such and such verses of the Quran? He, in fact, is caused by Allah to forget. So notice, if you, if you memorize a, a, a verse of the Quran and then you forget it, you're not supposed to say, oops, I forgot, shame on me. Instead, you're supposed to say, Allah made me forget that. As if when you forget something because you're too lazy to keep reciting it or something like that, uh, don't blame yourself, blame God for making you forget it. Yeah, so now let's read Surah, I mean, uh, uh, this, this Hadith, Sahih bukhari 5038. Look at, because this gets really, really absurd here. Narrated Aisha, Allah's messenger, heard a man reciting the Quran at night and said, may Allah bestow his mercy on him, on this man who's reciting the Quran, as he has reminded me of such and such verses of such and such surah, which I was caused to forget, which I was caused to forget. So notice what's going on here. Muhammad hears one of his companions reciting verses of the Quran. Muhammad had forgotten them, and concluded that since he forgot them, Allah made him forget them. And then he's thankful to this man for reminding him of verses that Allah supposedly made him forget. It doesn't make any sense. As if he's celebrating,
1: remembering this. You know, it's almost like Allah, like in uh, Men in Black. You know, use that pen and just (laughs) the 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 neuralizer.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, imagine that's a perfect that's a perfect example. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to make a video along those lines. But notice the this is this is just absurd, right? So I- even granting the Islamic view of you know of abrogation, uh, God canceling verses or something like that, and then making people forget them, even if you grant that, I, th- I think it's very strange that Allah has this speech from all eternity, He reveals it, and then you know a, a day later, or a week later, a month later, or a year later he says, no, I don't want that anymore. That doesn't apply anymore. And he makes people forget it as if this is a good explanation for why people uh, forgot it. But notice if Allah is abrogating a verse and he so wants, he so wants to abrogate the verse that he even causes Muhammad to forget it. If If he makes Muhammad forget it, he obviously doesn't want the Muslim community to use and apply this verse anymore. And yet Muhammad has a companion who has a better memory than he does, and he's thankful to that man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for reminding me of that verse, which Allah caused me to forget because Allah wants it this verse abrogated. Now, isn't this amazing? It's, wait, Allah Allah so wants to get rid of this verse that he has even Muhammad forget it. But this other guy over here, it's, it's as if it's saying this other guy's memory is so strong, even Allah couldn't make this guy forget. Right. And then Muhammad's very thankful. Thank you for thank you for reminding me of these verses that I forgot because Allah made me forget them. It's like, wait, shouldn't you be condemning this guy? Shame on you for remembering these verses that Allah wants us to forget. Instead, That's he's right. thanking he's thanking this man for having a, a powerful memory that uh, that will help him correct what Allah has done because Allah wanted him to forget. But now I remember them thanks to this other guy who, unlike Allah, preserved these verses of the Quran. Oh, this is just this is ridiculous. I mean, the, the explanations they are coming up with. It's very simple. Muhammad forgot verses. That's it. That's right. Exactly. Uh, if it if entire chapters came up missing, then the entire community forgot them. But they want they don't want to they, they still want to cling to preservation and so on. So, oh, if we all forget, then Allah made us then made us forget. And this is it's just absurd. And yet this is part of Islam.
1: But, you know, uh, brother, there is something interesting here. It shows that Muhammad failed miserably in his mission because if Allah caused him to forget these verses, he should have told the community in advance that if I don't recite verses anymore, or if I tell you forget about this or that, uh, Allah revealed to me that some verses are no longer needed. I obviously didn't do that. And it seemed like the man, like you said, has a stronger memory than the memory of the Prophet of Islam. And, um... What a sad reality indeed, and I hope that our Muslim friends who are watching here just use this logic that uh, David just mentioned. You know, uh, don't blame Allah, uh, just admit it. Muhammad forgot parts of the Quran. You wonder now how many other verses did Muhammad forget? I mean, that's a whole different story and probably a whole different show in and of itself. If he forgot one, he forgot others. And like the story about the Satanic verses, if Satan inspired him to reveal some verses and he was allegedly corrected later, how many other verses Muhammad received from Satan and no one told him that they were not from Allah? I mean, yet again, we are dealing with Muhammad, the model for mankind. In this regard, I would say, yes, he is a model because we all forget Anything else, David, you want to add to this? Nope.
2: nope, that's good.
1: Very good. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Please make sure uh, you comment, ask questions, interact with me or with David in, in one of his channels, which is the Apologetic Roadshow, or at least if you can find him on other places, and I think he will have a, a website as well. Uh, so make sure you interact with all of us. And if you have any specific questions, please shoot him our way. Thank you everyone. This is Al-Fadi. God bless. Take care.